We're so glad you're with us. If I've not had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Kurt. I serve as one of the pastors here. And we are grateful to be on this journey of following Jesus together. It is our deepest desire that you would encounter the presence of the living God, not just when we gather here, but ongoingly in your life. And as we just shared a time of communion and community, we believe that is the journey. It is actually a journey of faith that's intended to be shared together. And so what I want to do is invite you to an expression outside of Sunday. We love what God's doing in Sunday mornings, but we see God expanding our reach beyond just gathering for a a worship service here at Harkey Road. And uh, we want to invite you to a potluck dinner. Did you know those things happen? They are real. You bring a dish to share. You show up, experience community. So we are having our second annual Friendsgiving potluck on Sunday, November 12th. Uh, Join us along with our friends from Growing Faith Fellowship for food, fun, activities, and more. Be sure to invite family and friends. Uh, We would love for this to reach well beyond those who maybe call the vineyard home, but that our community would reach out and welcome, that we could share a meal, we could build community, and really celebrate God's goodness together. So November 12th, put it on your calendars. You can find all the information you need on our website. And uh, also, if you'll go to the next slide, I just want you to be aware of this. We have an ongoing partnership at Carlson Elementary. We want to join the mission of God here in the cities we love. And for a number of years now, we've had the privilege to help provide Thanksgiving meals to families. And so if that uh, resonates with you, if you want to be a part of caring for the needs of somebody else, all you need to do is just grab your smartphone. If you've got one, scan the QR code, and information is available. And um, also, again, on our website, or you can stop by our Connect banner, um, and we would love to help you if you need more information. And if I just went all too fast, you can always send an email to info at pearlandvineyard.org. We would love to just continue to extend the good things God's doing in us, but we would love for you to be a part of it. Does that sound all right? Good. No complaints from the crowd. That's what I like to hear. Well, we've been in this series of talks that are actually uh, incredibly foundational for how we see this journey of faith. And what our hope is, is that as a church family, we'll be sharing language together and seeing the scriptures come alive so that we can encourage one another on this journey of following Jesus together. And today I'm going to be in part two of our conversation around life with others. Life with others. How many of you have at least one other person in your life that you talk to, interact with, have to be kind to occasionally, things like that, right? Yeah. Every one of us are experiencing life with other people, with other people, to greater or lesser degrees. Uh, But this idea that in the kingdom of God, we have an incredible orienting thought that our life of faith is not just me and God and I'm good. Me and God and I'm good. That is actually not what we see in the scriptures. We see Jesus speak to us very clearly that our life with God, although very important and still primary, absolutely calls us to life with others. It calls us to life with others. So I want to show you a picture of how we've been talking about this discipleship framework for our church. At the center of this discipleship framework, we have the kingdom of God. We have the kingdom of God. And this is the idea that God is king, I am not. Otherwise, it would be the kingdom of 
Yeah, and that would be good for how many of you? Zero. That wouldn't even be good for me. I can't handle it. That would not be good for me or for you. It's the kingdom of God. It is that God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rule and reign. They have authority, and we get the privilege to live underneath that authority. And as we see this, there is a reality that that kingdom of God invites us to a relational journey with God, that you can know God, you can hear God's voice, you can follow God in all your life. And so we can ask one another, how's your life with God? You can ask a friend or a coworker, how's your life with God? When you ask a question like that, it's exactly appropriate to hear the answer, I don't have one. And then you could ask them a follow-up, tell me more about that. You can be curious about people's faith journey and their life with God. We believe God is knowable. We believe God is loving. And we believe the most true thing about you is you've been made in the image of God, the creator of all things good and beautiful, and that creator loves you in an unfailing, unconditional way. Life with God, it's very important. And that life with God then opens up this other kind of part of the journey, which is life with others. And last week, we heard Jesus' words that say this, love one another. Let's say that together. Simple enough. Do you know almost every global issue we face right now involving humans would be solved if we did this perfectly? Am I wrong? Love one another. This is my command, that you love one another. Jesus' command is to love one another, to love one another. Why do you think Jesus made it a command? Oh, it got real quiet. Here's why. Because one, I think it's not our natural instinct. As much as I want to believe I am a loving person through and through, turns out I'm probably more of a selfish person through and through. And that doesn't mean that I don't have spurts or moments or capacity to love. Remember, I've been made in the image of God. But I think the reason it's a command is because to love one another the way Jesus loves is sacrificial. It will be uncomfortable. It will not be convenient. And so I think what we're realizing is the way of Jesus is different than the way of Kurt. The way of Jesus is probably different than the way you would live. And we're going to get into that a little bit more today of why is that the case. I think it's a command because it's clearly the alignment of God. It is the way of God, and he's being very clear with us. If you follow me, you will See, we already forgot. See, that's how easy, it just goes that quick. If you follow Jesus, you will love one another. You will love one another. The way we're kind of understanding this is we need what only God can give, and we need to love one another. In order to live into this way of Jesus, in order to live into the fullness of God's love, I need the fullness of God to dwell in my life. I actually need to be transformed into the character of God, the heart of God, the way of God, so that I can live out a love for one another. Now, I don't just want you to take my word for it, so we are going to look to the scriptures. And in Matthew 22 is where we see Jesus speaking to this. If you are uh, been around church for a while, if you're familiar with the scriptures, what we're going to look at today is what's called the greatest commandment. And you're like, Kurt, we're still dealing with commands? I thought we were free. 
I thought it was relational. It's like, yeah, if we follow Jesus, that command becomes really easy. If I'm trying to go away from Jesus, then I get frustrated by the command because he's trying to control me and tell me what to do, and I don't like that. Oh, maybe I'm prideful as well as selfish? Just me? Okay, good. Matthew 22. Matthew's a book in the New Testament written to capture the life of Jesus. And I love Jesus because the things that I see him do in Scripture to people where he confronts them, he challenges them, I realize that's what he's doing to me. He's confronting me. He's challenging me. Where I see Jesus love people in the Scriptures, I realize that's what he's doing for me. He's loving me. He's forgiving me. He's showing me the way of mercy and grace. I'm going to set it up. This is verses 34 through 36. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, one elite leadership group of that day, the Pharisees got together. They're like, (laughs) Sadducees, let us take over. We got this. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him, Jesus, with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, life with God. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The way of Jesus becomes very simple. Love God with all of your life. All that's within you, love God. And let that reality pour out in a way you love others. The way you love your neighbor, the way you love your sibling, the way you love your parent, the way you love your kid, the way you love your coworker. Do you want me to keep going? The way you love the person that just cuts you off, the way you love, oh, maybe not that, that's too far. It's very simple, and yet it's very difficult. This invitation of Jesus, remember they're trying to trap him and test him and figure it out. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If you're not sure how much law and prophet there is, uh, about that much. All of the scriptures, all of the teaching, all of the way of God is brought to this place. To this place. There's a lot of law and prophet back in that day. And Jesus says two will capture it. Two, you'll fulfill it. And I don't know about you, but these seem to be the two most common places I miss it. I miss it. And so today in part two of this idea of life with others, I want to ask you a question. Jesus says it here. He says this. He says, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it, like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So here's the question for today. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? I'm so glad you asked. And uh, I just thought I would would go above my pay grade to the national director of Vineyard USA, uh, my friend. I'm I'm honored to call him friend, Jay Pathak. Jay Pathak was speaking uh, to a room full of people in Orlando, Florida earlier this year. And he was 
talking about this very thing, funny enough. And I happen to have a little video clip for you, so y'all enjoy Jay Pathak. So if we thought the command to love one another was a little bit stiff for people we like, welcome to a whole nother way of following Jesus. To consider the invitation of Jesus that our neighbor, our neighbor, it is a funny word, 
is not so much about who they are and what they're doing, but about who we are and what God is doing in us and through us. We begin to show the world a different kind of way where we wouldn't just love those who are close to us and comfortable for us and convenient for us, but we would begin to be a voice and a hope and a presence of love all the way to our enemies, all the way to the person who's in need that we do not know, but we know the God who is love. We know the God who's capturing our life. And that love that God has poured into us, life with God gets poured out of us, life with others. Because when Jesus says those commandments are inseparable, they are like one another, we are called into a way of following Jesus that will require transformation, that will require it. Who is my neighbor? Who gets included in my love? Who gets included in my resources? Who gets included in my prayers? And who have I been excluding? Where have I drawn a boundary line to justify myself? And the living God is saying, that's not where I draw the boundary line, Kurt. That's not where I've asked your love to pull up short. That's actually the point I'm reaching across because I've called you to a better way. Matthew 5 is where I want to just come back to the scriptures and invite us to hear the words again on the heels of J. Pathic's teaching. Picking up in verse 43. And I just want to be really honest. This should be hard for all of us in the best kind of way. Because in some ways it should invite us to something better than humanly possible. It should invite us to something that God is doing where we actually look and we go, oh, there's an opportunity here. But it should challenge us in our own resource and strength and capacity. Because it's the second greatest commandment, which is connected to the greatest commandment, which means my life has to be saturated in a loving relationship with God so that it overflows into a loving relationship with even my enemy. Matthew 5, verse 43, this is Jesus teaching again. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You have heard that it was said, human wisdom of that day and time, very appropriate. You have heard, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Man, you just got to feel for the tax collectors, right? They just, get, they just get roughed up in the scriptures. I mean, they are just the epitome of every bad joke. And they even manage to love some people. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that?
Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The phrase that is reverberating in my soul is we need what only God can give. We need what only God can give. The call to life with others is perfect love and perfect sacrifice. It is be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The only way we get this kind of fruitful life is for the love of God to indwell and take over and infuse every part of who I am. I can't even take credit for it. When we wear shirts that are branded, you are loved, it's because that is the anchoring truth that we see the world through because we see it through our perfect heavenly Father who laid down his very life for us to declare that love. And we join in that way. Another way to say it is we need the very essence and presence of love to fill us and transform us. Be perfect. How many of you are up for that today? I already missed it. Did you notice? My imperfection showed as I moved us towards our time of community and coffee break, and I tried to send kids to a class that was not open today because it's a family worship day. And we love having kids in here. Turns out I'm imperfect. Can anybody relate to your uh, lead pastor here? I'm just saying. So then we shouldn't rely on our capacity and our good intentions and our way of seeing the world. We actually need to come into a humble posture and say, oh, God, show me how to love the way you love. Show me how to do this thing in the earth that you're doing. Pagans, even pagans, made in the image of God, just not awakening to the reality of the love of God, maybe not awakening into a life of worship and yield and surrender yet know how to greet their own. But what about a local church community that's showing the way of Jesus, which means we greet people who are not our own. We love people who are not our own. We love one another beyond where it's comfortable. We love our enemies. This is the way of Jesus. I think about uh, one of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s most famous sermons, and this is the words that come out of an excerpt of what he preached. He says, returning hate for hate multiplies hate. Adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And I think about the words of Jesus in John 3 that we reflected on a couple weeks ago says this, this is Jesus, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. I just imagine Dr. Martin Luther King's sermon being influenced by the words of Jesus and the way of Jesus saying, come into the light, become instruments of the light. Be a beloved community who will show life with others is expressed as a life of love and yield and surrender and forgiveness and truth and mercy and grace. 
There's a way to love our enemies. Jesus loved me when I was still his enemy. Jesus welcomed me first. John 15, this is my command, love one another. Today, Jesus says, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. If we need to understand a posture of prayer for our day and time and for all the things that are moving through your feeds and your news cycle and your email newsletters and your updates and your texts and the moments that we are facing day in and day out, I even think we just pray across places of contention. We pray across lines of division. We pray across war if we're going to pray for our enemies, if we're going to pray for people who persecute us. Can you all see how difficult this is? Can you do this by your own strength and power? I'm just, I don't know about y'all, but I just feel like Jesus is really clear and I feel immensely challenged by this. And this is where the good news starts to live out in our cities. This means there's a better way. This means there's a different way. What I think this begins to do for us is it shows us that God's family is called to live life according to God's way, not humanity's way. As part of God's family, we live according to God's way, revealed in Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We don't get to live out this human thing that's happening where it's power and control and it's pride and it's selfishness. God's way is distinctly other. And Jesus gets real clear. And Jesus confronts me in the scriptures and he says this, pray for others. Why would we pray? Why would we pray for people who persecute us? Get them, God. Remember in the story that Jay's talking about in the scriptures, it was a self-justification. It was a self-justification. It was a self-justification. When we pray for people who persecute us, we can begin to pray with the mercy and the compassion and the surrender of Jesus that would say, even death on a cross for the forgiveness of your sin. Because I need it for my sin. And so what I think is God's inviting us to say, God, change our human hearts to beat with your unfailing love. Change my human heart to beat with your unfailing love. That I can live into the command to love my enemy in this moment when I'm being persecuted. That I can love my enemy when I know I'm right and they're wrong. I'm so smart. <laughs> because it calls me back to relationship. It calls me back to love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. And to love my neighbor as my so if I pray to my, to, about my neighbor who's persecuting me, God, get him. What am I praying for myself? God, get him. And I understand there are so many things that are complicated and there are so many things that are wrong. And so again, when I pray, I pray, God, this is so wrong. Let your righteousness come. Let your kingdom come. Let your rule come. Let your way come increase, make space for your love, for your goodness, for your transformation, for your hope, that this calls me into a better way. 
Life with God and life with others calls us to a heart of love, love for God, love for my neighbor, love for a stranger, and dare I say, love for an enemy. Church, the way we do this is to stay connected to Jesus. One worship service a week or one worship service a month, although is good and needed, will not be sufficient. Your religious practices where you're doing your own thing and you're making it happen, we see those people in the scriptures will not be sufficient. We need the power and presence of the living God day in and day out. See, when Jesus was teaching about this command to love one another, if you back up a little bit in that part of the scriptures, which is John 15, you can go read it again. This is what Jesus says. Remain in my love. Remain in my love. When I depart from God's love, love becomes more difficult. Love begins to dwindle in my resources. This whole invitation is to remain in the love of God so that as I share my life with others, they get the love of God. They experience the love of God. And I just, I think back about the way this is told throughout all the scriptures. I'm telling you, the, the Bible's great. You should check it out. <laughs> you should read it with someone. The creation story, there's this moment where Adam and Eve depart from God for a moment. They sort of step outside of what God had for them. And God meets them with this question, where are you? Remain in God's love. And when God's kind of calling you home and calling you back, where are you? How's your life with God going? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? God is pursuing you so that you can remain in God's love. Genesis 4, there's an interaction where God comes to a human and says, be careful. Be careful. Here's a moment. Watch how you treat your brother. And we get murder. We get a moment where we do not love our enemy who happened to be our brother. And God's question is not just where are you, but God's question is where is your brother? Where's your brother? Where's your enemy in your heart, in your mind? Life with others will challenge all the ways I want to be God, all the ways I want to deliver verdict and judgment and to say, I know better, I know what's right, here I am. And it calls us to a life of humility in God's presence and love for one another. This is my command, that you love one another. This is my command, that you love your neighbor as yourself. This is my command, that you love your enemy. Woo, It's good news. You know who it's good news for? Who's this good news for? Us. The world. Our enemies. It's good news for our souls. It's good news for our souls. Dallas Willard, who has helped shape uh, formation and this idea of how do we follow Jesus, says it this way. The measure of our spiritual maturity 
is how well we love others, especially our enemies. Especially our enemies. I want to be really clear today. I have not ascribed to you who your enemy is. But my guess is, as I've been going through this talk, every time I start talking about an enemy, someone or some people group or some situation comes up in your, in your mind. And if it hasn't yet, I would invite you to do that right now. Who is your enemy? Who is your enemy? Who stands opposed to you right now? Who stands on the opposite side of an issue with you right now? And now, don't get me wrong, I know you're right and they're wrong. Oh, too soon? It's too soon? What might God want to do to our hearts so we're more free? to our minds so we're more free, to be saturated with love and not hate, to be saturated with love and not vindiction, to be saturated with love and trust that God is king and the good judge who sits on the throne can handle it, can handle it. Let's stand together as a community. Life with others is all about our commitment to love. Where do you feel challenged this morning? Where do you want to look Jesus in the face and go, you're wrong. (laughs) I don't like this very much. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how I was taken advantage of. You don't know how I was wounded and how I was hurt. You don't know the boundaries that have been violated, Jesus. Don't you see what they're doing? Don't you see the destruction? Don't you you care? Oh, Jesus cares. See, I think this is why we have to love the Lord our God with everything, that we begin to bring up all those uncertainties and all those frustrations and all those judgments. And honestly, you could be very right. All those righteous thoughts that have shaped your life and you put them in God's presence and you say, God, care for me. Love me so that I can love my neighbor as myself. Love me the way I need to be loved so I can love my enemy the way you would love them. You cannot separate the two. And so what I want to do is I want to pray for us to receive God's love today. I want to pray for us to receive the closeness of the Holy Spirit. The the scriptures say the Holy Spirit is the promised gift of the Trinity for us to lead us and guide us into all truth to comfort us, to help transform us, to actually give us the same power and presence that raised Jesus from the dead. And this might be a new thought for you, but one of the prayers we pray at the Vineyard is, come Holy Spirit, living God, live in me. Character of God, come dwell within me that I might bear your name, that I might walk in your ways, that I might live according to your commands, but by your power and your resource and your strength. God, I need what only you can give so that I can live a life with others that looks like you and reflects you, is saturated with your compassion and your mercy, your hope and your goodness, that we might say, let your kingdom come. 
So God, we make room for you right now to come and pour out your spirit on us. God, there are ways we need to be comforted because of what our enemies have done to us. There are ways we need to experience healing because of what our enemies have done to us. There are ways we need to experience you say, I see you and I know that that was not right. And that is why I died on the cross. And that is why I'm making all things new. And that is why you can trust me. Because I am a God who knows the difference. We say, come Holy Spirit and show us how to be a beloved community. Come, Holy Spirit, and show us how to love our enemies in a day and time where contention and war seem to rage hotter and stronger and more destructive. Come, Holy Spirit, and show us your way. God, where we are not loving one another, we repent and we turn back to you and we say, forgive us. Where we are not loving our enemies, we say, come and show us your way. God, this is hard and we need you. But this is good news. This is good news. Come, Holy Spirit. Even now, I would just encourage you just to pay attention to how God might be speaking to you on this topic. How God might be meeting you right now. And that could be a thought that just feels like a good thought. That could actually be a sense of like warmth or comfort. It could be a goosebumps or chills. It could just be peace. There's two specific encouragements we want to invite you to consider receiving, and one is this. If you have never really experienced the love of God poured out in all of your life, I want to pray for that to happen. And if you need freedom today, our team was praying before, and there was just this sense that God wants to bring freedom. And so that might be freedom to pray for someone who's persecuted you. That might be freedom to pray for an enemy. That might be freedom from a past wound or freedom from a past hurt or freedom from anything that you need to be set free from. That'll just, it'll just make sense to you in a way I can't really understand, but it's just how God moves towards us. So if that just makes sense to you today, I would just encourage you just to open up your life and receive God. God wants to meet you and love you and care for you. So God, we just pray for your presence to be poured out. God, would your love pour across this place? Pour into hearts and pour into minds. Pour into souls today. What we need is more love. We need love to drive out the darkness in my own life. I need your love and your light to illuminate every part of who I am. So we say come and do that in only the way you can. And for anyone here today who needs freedom, we say bring it. Be free in Jesus' name. It says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Say thank you, God, for your scriptures. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your love for us today, God. Help us to increase our life with you and the overflow of that life with others. God, we need what only you can give, and we need each other for this journey. So do a deeper work today, in the coming week, in the coming months. We want, we want you. We want your transformation. If you're here today and, and, and you've been exploring faith and you've never made a decision to let all of your life follow the way of Jesus, you can make that decision today. 
And you can come receive prayer. You can just go, you know what? I want the love of Jesus to fill me. I want my life to follow the way of Jesus. You can do that today, and we'll begin to walk with you. And if you need prayer for anything else going on, healing, there's relational strain. This is the place where maybe our enemy is our spouse. Maybe our enemy is our kid. Maybe our enemy is actually our next-door neighbor. Anything that's happening in you relationally that you just want God's kingdom to come, come get prayer today. We'll have some leaders that will look, some prayer team that can come pray for you, or anything else going on. We'd love to pray with you. And we want to walk this journey together. This is the invitation of Jesus, to love God and to love people. And uh, I'm grateful to be on this journey with you. So.